Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and today's guest might be familiar to you. Tom Gibson is joining us to talk about classroom jobs for any teaching context. Before we get started talking to Tom, I have two quick announcements for you. As I mentioned in the past, we are focusing on stress the entire month of March here at E2E. We're going to talk about teacher stress and how you can handle that. We paired up with Lynn from Connect, Flow, Grow, and we're going to be doing a 21-day stress challenge with our E2E members, but anyone is welcome to join that. You can learn more at educators2educators.com backslash stress. One other huge announcement is that the dates for Teacher Summer Reboot have been announced. You guys, this is going to be the teacher event of the summer. Last year, we had 16,000 teachers sign up for Teacher Summer Reboot. It's going to be a three-day, you heard it, three-day event, July 16th, 17th, and 18th. Pull out your calendars, write Teacher Summer Reboot or type Teacher Summer Reboot and make sure you hold those days. It is going to be a phenomenal conference focused on back to the basics because next fall when we head back to the classroom, I think a lot of us are going to have to go back to the basics. So make sure you keep your eyes open for that registration. That'll be coming out soon. Tom Gibson is a two-time Teacher of the Year educator and an Adobe education leader. He teaches middle school, bless your heart, Tom, middle school <laughs> math, robotics, and YouTube video production. He's a YouTuber. Oh my gosh, you got to check out his YouTube channel. It is phenomenal. Educational consultant and creator of several online PD programs for educators. Tom, welcome to the E2E podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Carrie. This has been a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> you presented in the fall at Teacher Fall Reboot that was focused on teacher and student literacy and had a very amazing presentation there. So if you're an E2E member, go and you haven't checked out Tom's presentation, make sure you go check that out. Yeah, and I think I, I think it was around this time last year, maybe a couple weeks after this, that we were supposed to do the original podcast, and then my little baby girl was born like two weeks early than anticipated. I'm like, eh, rain check. So here we are, yes. almost a year later. <laughs> I forgot about that time. Yeah. Yes, and I was like, listen, I get it. As a mom of two, I get it. There's a newborn in your house. That newborn runs your life. For a <laughs> yeah, while. yeah. So Tom, tell me, how did you get so passionate about classroom jobs? Yeah, classroom jobs. I, I started in the fifth grade classroom. And I remember through my teacher training, elementary schools always had classroom jobs. And so I remember just looking online for just like the most standard classroom jobs. You have your line leader, you've got your caboose, who's just the person like at the end of the line, which doesn't even sound that fun. But hey, it's a classroom job. <laughs> but I remember after a couple years of doing that, I read a book by Rafe Esquith, and he talked about classroom jobs and like this, even like this whole classroom economy surrounding his classroom jobs. And so I started to kind of think like, oh, okay, let me see if I can revamp this because he had these classroom jobs that students were actually accomplishing uh, more meaningful tasks for him in the classroom as opposed to having these arbitrary jobs that, you know, just to give the student a job. And so I remember it's, it's, They've been in my classroom since I started, but they've kind of evolved from just giving students a job to have to creating jobs that are more in line with getting a task done for myself. And even with remote teaching where I'm like, okay, what kind of classroom jobs can I have when I don't have a classroom? 
I started thinking through like all these different ways of giving students an opportunity to create something as part of their classroom job, whether it be maybe you're the class podcaster, or maybe you're the class newsletter writer, or you're maybe, maybe you're the class motivational speaker. And so like they, they kind of diverge from just getting jobs done to your job is to create content for the classroom. And so that's kind of like, it, it, they've always been there, but they've just been evolving uh, throughout my, my time in the classroom, particularly now uh, that we've been remote and soon to be uh, hybrid as well. Well, here's the thing. I mean, as a teacher, if I were thinking about where I wanted to invest my time right now and my money, honestly, it would be into things that make my teaching life easier and less stressful. And I know you're going to touch on that. You're going to touch on some of your resources. Before we do that, you guys know I love the number three. Our brains remember things in the number three. And so here at the E2E podcast, we go with three lessons under that bigger umbrella. So we're going to talk about why have classroom jobs, the types of jobs for a hybrid or remote classroom, and how to support students and keep them accountable. Should we get started? Yes, I love I love the rule of three because that's like kind of like with all my YouTube videos, I was like, what are my three points? What are my <laughs> takeaways? So, so when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. <laughs> well, the thing is too, I think that, you know, I like podcasts that get straight to the point. Like it doesn't, give me your announcements, you know, you gotta get kind of get away with that stuff or get through that stuff as a podcaster. But then the listener wants to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's your YouTube channel. The One of the things I really like about your YouTube channel is there's no fluff. Like you get right to it. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with, speaking of getting right to it, (laughs) why have classroom jobs? Uh, several reasons. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones is that it's going to create a positive classroom culture um, because you have a classroom where everyone is contributing. In my class, everybody has to have a job. Um, There's no just, you know, skating by and letting other people accomplish the task. And I think when everybody is contributing, like this is, this is now our classroom. And what's, what's nice about with my classroom jobs, I don't just assign jobs. I don't say you're doing this, you're doing this, or I don't even have a rotation of jobs. But instead, I tell the students all the jobs right up front, um, and then they get to apply for the jobs that they are interested in. They apply for their top three. Um, and so it, it gives them an opportunity to kind of explore things that they they may find interesting that they, maybe they have not had a chance to explore or had a chance to, to, to be a part of, whether it be like, oh, I like to talk and I like, uh, I like recording music. Maybe I could be the, the class podcaster, or I like keeping things organized. Um, maybe I could be the uh, Con Marie organizing specialist in our classroom, or like I'm I'm super type A and like things to be done in a certain order. Maybe I can help Tom um, and be his teacher assistant to make sure classroom jobs get done. And so it gives them a chance to, to tap into their own interests, uh, particularly if maybe they're in my math class. I do this in my math class, my science class, my robotics class, but maybe they're in my math class and they're not passionate about math, but they are passionate about music and they want to be the class DJ and share their love and their interest of music every day before class starts. And so that's part of the classroom culture that's giving them an opportunity to explore their interests in a real and meaningful way. And it gives them a chance to to really we talk about teaching the kids 21st century skills, but it just generally becomes 
just talk and like just things that yep. people present on at conferences without yes. tangible ways or like we need to give kids opportunities to start businesses it's like okay how when where i yep. teach science you know and this gives them an opportunity to learn 21st century skills like applying for a job before they fill in their job application i'm having a conversation with them on they're not only telling me what their top three jobs are or their job top three job like what they would like to do but for each one of their top three requests they're telling me why they'd be a good fit for that job and i tell them i'm like you're not telling me how you could benefit from getting this job or how awesome you think this job is i want you to articulate how you're going to help me as your employer how you're going to help our classroom as the company in the, as so to speak in in you getting this job how do others benefit how do i benefit from you getting this job. And really, they're learning to articulate adding value when they do that, as opposed to saying, I want this job because it's the best job and I think it's a cool job. You know, like, no, I want this job because I really love helping people and I want to help you, Tom, by getting this task done and I want to help the classroom by getting this task done and something that I'm passionate about in my own day-to-day -day life. And, and that's why I think be, I'd be a great fit for the job. Not to mention the actual skills that come with some of the jobs like podcasting, video creating. Yes. Um, I have an Instagrammer uh, where they have to take photos for Instagram and write a, give me a suggested caption and hashtags um, that actually go on my Instagram account. And so they're learning about branding and things like that. My motivational, yep. my motivational speaker, he makes a video every week. Uh, a one minute video about an inspiring quote and he ends every video the same way he's like all right well that's the motivational speech uh stay motivated you know and he doesn't realize <laughs> he's learning branding there you know yeah. he's learning like uh, you you start your videos the same way you end your videos the same way it becomes what people expect it becomes what people like and so those are those 21st century skills that i'm teaching them even in the context of, of a seventh grade math class or an eighth grade science class and all in all it really a lot of these tasks get a lot done for the teacher depending on the nature of the job not all of them are tasks that get done for the teacher or help the teacher take some things off of their plate, uh, but a lot of them are. And so I think it, it, those things on why having class jobs is the positive classroom culture, exploring your interest in a meaningful way, opportunity to learn 21st century skills and less tasks for the teacher to do are a few reasons uh, why, why teachers should consider having a class job, even if they're not an elementary school teacher, even if they're a middle school teacher, even if they are a high school teacher, yes. when you have even more capable students of accomplishing certain tasks for you than they were in first and second grade, but then we give them less responsibility when they're in high school, it doesn't make sense. I think it should be something that we are incorporating in all of our classrooms, no matter what grade level we teach. You know what's beautiful about having a YouTuber on your podcast is you can just sit back and relax while they talk. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you could just literally go through this whole thing and not I could not say a word, but I do want to say this. You are sparking some things for me about being a middle schooler back mm -hmm. 100 years ago. And like I had so many of these entrepreneurial skills in me back at that age that actually were like shunned or shut down in the traditional school setting that I yeah. was in and in yeah. high school too. You know, I, I'm clearly a person who loves to bring people together and talk to people and hear their stories and stuff. And there really wasn't any opportunity for that. Had I been told, Carrie, you're going to be the podcaster or you're going to create, you know, our social media. It wasn't around back then, but mm -hmm. What I like about this is that we have to get out of the mindset that there is one type of good student and it's the student who follows all the rules, gets A pluses, studies, has their index cards done. Like we celebrate that one type of student so much in society. And I love that you are opening up opportunities for 
maybe a kid who isn't that strong in math to, to show what they know in a way that sparks their creativity mm-hmm. and sparks their strengths. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like the thinking about the, uh, the class DJ, I do have a student where, you know, math is not her jam, but she, she loves music. She, she shares music like for the five minutes before class starts, we're virtual. So five minutes before zoom class. And then afterwards it's like, okay, what were you playing for us? And then she's like, Oh, I love this band and I love this artist. And me and my dad listen to it all the time. And this is something interesting about the artist. And I just wanted to share that. And I'm like, you know, and she, she gets super stoked and excited about it. She doesn't get super stoked, excited about math, but she's having that time to share, share her passions with the class, even though like math is not really, you know, something that really excites her. And so I've definitely well, she's seen that. up to class. I mean, think yeah. about how excited she gets to go to math class and think about your kids are probably excited to show up to class for the math. I'm sure some of them, but some of them are like, well, I'm the DJ. I got to get there early and be prepared. And that is a skill that a lot of people lack. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just that drive to come. We're moving into this types of jobs for hybrid remote classrooms. So talk about some of the jobs you've invented or implemented during these crazy COVID times. Yeah, just about all these jobs could be done, whether you're remote or in person or hybrid. But the one of the ones that I, several of them, the creation ones, like I said, a lot of the, the creation ones were ones that I, I created and, and implemented for the first time this year during remote teaching, including the podcaster job. The podcaster or the team of podcasters, if I got a few that actually apply for that job, they have to create a three to five minute podcast once a month. So it's very doable. They do this outside of class time. And the podcast is generally something like, okay, what's going on in math class? What is, what do you want to do? Like mathematician of the month? Okay, talk about a mathematician of the month. Talk about this day in math history. Do you have a math joke? Um, and then they they kind of like just come up with what they want to talk about. Uh, and then whether it's one student or a couple of students. The first meeting that we have, I kind of show them a couple of videos on like, okay, have you ever done this before? Do you, do you, yeah, I've, I've done some stuff in GarageBand. Okay, great. Let me find a tutorial on how to podcast in GarageBand and send that to you. Or no, I've never done this before. Okay, great. There's this, this website called Soundtrap where you can actually collaborate like a Google Doc, but it's audio fo- files. So you and the, the two other podcasts can all go to one project online and here's a tutorial on how to do it. When do you think this podcast can be done? You guys, you, you think you can get it done by next Monday, next Wednesday? What do you think? I'm giving them some agency and asking them when they can get certain things done. And then that first time they send it and like the the audio engineer in me wants to go in and change and fix everything. <laughs> but, but I'm like, okay, okay. So let me give you some feedback. This is great. Let's improve on this for next time, whether it's throwing little fade ins, fade outs, setting the volume levels and stuff like that. But the cool thing about this job is one of my classes, you know, the student, because they were applying about three weeks into the school year this year. So in some of the students I had previously in, in math or in science, one of the students, one of the classes, it was the students that I expected to to apply for the podcaster job. They were the class clowns, f- funny, boisterous, always like just making funny voices and stuff. But the other class, it was a really quiet student uh, that had barely really contributed or t- spoke out during class, very, barely ever volunteered in class. But he sent me his first podcast episode and he's written the music intro, the intro music for the podcast in GarageBand. Oh. And then he's like, hello, everybody. And this oh. is, you know, and he goes into it and he gets, you know, a fun little personality. And the great thing about this is I, I don't just put this audio file on my Google Drive and say, great job. But instead, I take this podcast and then I email it out to all the students and their parents. And oh, I say cool. like, hey, this is what's going on in math class. Uh, here's our podcasters. Or this is what's going on in science class. 
And then I even do like almost show notes to kind of hype people up. It's like in this episode, you hear the student, he recorded new music just for this episode. And we get into oh, the mathematician cool. of the month, you know, and this is like, show him some love here. And I, I upload the, the audio file to SoundCloud, uh, which is just a nice uh, audio in, like player. It's, it looks nicer than just sharing a Google Drive uh, link because that's really boring. and doesn't look cool. But it's giving them an authentic audience. It's not just something that they're creating with no, no real audience to listen to. So that's been fun. And it's serving as a communication piece of what's going on in math class, yeah, uh, exactly. which has been good. Taking so that th job off of your plate. I know. So that's the podcaster job. Another job is the athletic trainer. That was another one that I implemented this year that I plan to continue even after we're done with remote teaching. But they set a timer at the beginning of class for 30 minutes or whatever the halfway point of class is. Um, and then they lead us in about 60 to 90 seconds of movement when their timer goes off. And nice. so even if we're all in breakout rooms, I call it, they call me over to their breakout room. They're like, Tom, the timer went off. I call everyone back from the breakout room. It's like, all right, athletic trainer, lead us in some movement. Everyone stand up, cameras on, stand up. We got to see some movement. They're like, all right, everyone do 10 jumping jacks and five sit-ups. I got to see you. You're still sitting down. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I tell them, I'm like, you can get hyped up. You can say, I need to see cameras on, you know, like giving them the ownership of the job. And so that one's really fun. And I think that's going to be good. What, what, no matter what context you're in. Uh, I talked about the class DJ, but the only training that I do for them is I let them know like, okay, meet me during office hours this week. Where do you usually play your music from? YouTube, Spotify, open up Spotify. Okay, how? what's what's your volume level at? Okay, go, go here. Okay, now let's open up Zoom. This is how you share your audio on Zoom. And so once they know how to do that and the audio levels are good to where we can still talk and stuff at the beginning of class and the music's just playing in the background, they just do that. And like, I don't have to remind them, they just show up and then they do that um, and, and share whatever music that they wanna share. Quick question for you about that one. I'm sure you have to lay some ground rules about explicit lyrics and content within the music. Yes, I say anything. It's got to be school appropriate. And so for the most part, I'm like, if you're wondering if it's school appropriate, it's probably not. But I've had a few students that are like, you know, she she emailed me about like, well, this one's like talking about like kissing and stuff. I'm like, that's fine. Like, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So she was she was mindful and even emailed about stuff that probably didn't she didn't even need to email. So so that was good. Um, the motivational speaker, they do a pre-recorded video um, because I think it's just easier than them fumbling around and trying yeah. to pull up a pull up something on their computer. So they do a pre-recorded video on Loom um, where they have a, a quote on the screen and they talk about why they find that quote inspiring and what they like about it. Um, and then they email it to me before Monday and it's mo motivational Monday. And so right at the end of class on Monday, I'm like, oh, it's that time we've all been waiting for. And then I'm playing like air horn sound effects. It's motivational Monday. You know? <laughs> and then I screen share and I show the video and the kid who did the video is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You know, I look so weird. Yeah, and so it's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, but they're also, that's the one I was talking about, like they're learning about branding. He's like, all right, stay motivated at the end of every video. Uh, the visual display artist, this one was one that I used a lot more in person. They are the ones that are creating posters for my room, as opposed to me just putting up posters at the beginning of the year that no one really pays attention to after the first couple of weeks of school. As the school year go goes on, the visual display artist will create one poster a month for me to go up on the wall. Sometimes it had like early on, it's like, uh, hey, hey, here's a picture of a growth mindset poster that I found online. Could you recreate something like this? Do you have any other ideas of what you could do? And then the only parameters I give them, I'm like, well, first sketch out what you're thinking. And I just want you to keep in mind that it's going to be on the wall and so anything that on, is on there needs to be visible from the back of the room 
when's a due date that you think you can have this done by? Because this is happening outside of normal class time. And so I'm trying to give them as much agency to give them as much to create as much buy-in uh, for what they're doing. And so some of the, the coolest artwork and posters and stuff that have been put up have been from the, the visual display artist. And I don't have this job during virtual, but I was thinking about it uh, recently. I'm like, this could be a job that maybe they're creating graphics using Canva for my learning management system for, for every new lesson, they have to create like a new graphic or every new unit or something like that, just for your more graphically design inclined students. The zoologist, this one was pretty fun. It's, it's the person that takes care of the class mascot people are like, well, who's the class mascot? It's like, well, it's the pet of the zoologist. <laughs> so these are the kids that are like, I have six pets at my house. I have to be the zoologist, you know? And at the end of the week, I'm like, hey, let's let's see how 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 Cresty the the lizard is doing. Oh, look at it. anything interesting happened to Cresty this week. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, thanks for sharing, zoologist. You know, and they're just sharing how things are going, and it's fun. Uh, it adds a little bit of that classroom culture to the mix. The tech guru. This is a job that I had in person and has been really helpful online as well. When we were in person, it. It, whenever I would go to my classroom, I would set my backpack down and the tech guru would take my laptop out of my backpack, open it up, I'd type in my password, they'd plug it into the projector, they would pull up the class website. And then you know on the projector how you can freeze the image, they would, they would freeze the image which shows what students need to have out on their desk. And then they would pull up the attendance tab so nice. that my other student uh, who takes attendance can come up and start taking attendance on my computer. And so the tech guru, while we're virtual, they are the person that is screen sharing the student perspective of everything that we have going on. So instead of me asking, oh, can you screen share to a random student and them saying, I don't have permissions. Okay, does anyone else have, you know, like the tech guru is my go-to person. I know they can screen share. I know they know how to do it and they can do it quickly. And they'll show the student perspective. And I also will send them to a breakout room sometimes if there is a student that's having technical difficulties or like doesn't know how to do a screencast. It's like, hey, tech guru, I'm going to send you all to, to breakout room number two. Can you help them uh, show him how to do a screencast? And they're, they're my go-to person for that. The Conmarie Organizing Specialist. This is a new name, but it's like kind of a job that I've had before. I like um, it. After the, the Marie Kondo method of organizing, if anyone's ever seen that Netflix documentary. Uh, but this is the, the, your students that just love everything in their right place. I see this one more as an in-person job uh, where, where if you have a bookshelf or a stack of supplies or where you keep all the different things that students need to access, uh, maybe you have a picture of what it should look like next to it. And then it's up to the Conmarie organizing specialist to ensure that every week it looks like that and everything stays organized. Um, and I recommend even talking to your organizing specialist and just saying, hey, do you have a better way or an idea of how we can organize this a little bit better? Here are some of the pain points that I'm noticing when students are trying to get these supplies. Or maybe if you're, you're, you're working with people PPE in your classroom and you're in a hybrid situation, uh, they can help out with that and keeping all that stuff organized. The assistant grader. Now this one, this one's again, some people are like, oh, I don't know about this one because, you know, grades and all this other stuff and having another student see other people's grades. There's a few ways that I, I have an assistant grader help me in a way that they're not actually like in my grade book. So the first one is 
I have students doing assignments on Khan Academy. Uh, and so the assistant grader, I actually train them and show them how they can go into my Khan Academy teacher account. Um, because really, it, it kind of takes time for me to go into a teacher account and then click on the student or the class and then click on the last assignment and see what all the grades were and then transfer that over to the official grade book that I'm using online. And so they streamline that process. They actually take a screenshot of the uh, completed assignments for their class and then they email me that screenshot. And then they will also email any of the students that have it missing. They'll, they'll have a blind carbon copy and they'll say, if you're receiving this email, that's because you have not completed your Khan Academy assignment. You have two days uh, left to do it. And so they actually learn how to do a blind carbon copy because a lot of students don't know what that means. So that's another skill that they're learning. Um, but the other way that the assistant grader is helping me is whenever I'm in person, if we're doing paper tests, I will give the assistant grader once they've actually taken the grade themselves or maybe the assistant grader will grade a, my, my math assistant grader will grade like the science class or vice versa so they're not grading the same test they took but they actually highlight the first place a student made a mistake and so the good thing about that is they're not calculating any points all they're doing is they're looking at the answer key they're looking at what the student did and then they're highlighting where they see a mistake some problems if they're a little bit more complex i'll say don't worry about grading or highlighting this one i'll take a look at that when i see it but for the most part when i get a stack back i can go through and then the things that don't really have any highlights i don't have to spend as much time on and that student actually isn't seeing anybody else's grades there um, for those teachers that are that still don't feel good about that though and like just like eh, they're still seeing the the Khan Academy grades or seeing who's making mistakes, this, the assistant grader can also do maybe a homework check where they're just checking off to see who has turned something in and who hasn't um, as maybe as, as a homework completion grade. And so you don't have to have this job in your class, but it is an option there. The tutorial creator, um, I guess the last one I'll talk about because I've got a lot more, but the tutorial creator is a new job as well. And the tutorial creator creates uh, screencasts, um, explanations, and tutorials for the classmates. I really will utilize this one in my robotics class. Um, and one of the students that applied for that job already had some experience with coding and with robotics. I was like, oh, perfect. So he'll be able to make these tutorials. He's got a little bit of experience. He's not brand new. And then I can put him on our learning management system um, and then refer other students like, hey, this student actually recorded a tutorial on how to get the robots to move forward and backwards that you can go watch. Um, and then I can give that student you know, some feedback. I was like, okay, this one actually, you, you went a little long on the intro and you didn't really show this part. So make sure you fix that in the next video. Um, and so he can continue to grow as a, as a uh, he had his own YouTube channel, but is as a video maker as well. So that's a few jobs, most of which I think uh, could work in some, either a, a remote or a hybrid in-person context. This is awesome. I, it makes me want to go back to the classroom. I did have a classroom economy and classroom job. I will say, and I think this leads into this third point of how to support students and hold them accountable. Sometimes the classroom jobs in classroom economy started to feel heavy on me, mm -hmm. um, that I was trying to manage all of this and remember all the things that I needed to remind the students of. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I ended up doing was kind of having like substitute, I cannot remember what I called them, but they were basically like substitute people that could step in or support people that were struggling to get their job done. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the process you go through and then how you really hold students accountable so that this doesn't become overwhelming for the teacher. 
Yeah, as much as I can, I'm trying to create buy-in. I'm trying to get the kids excited about these jobs because the more excited they are and the less of like a, ugh, do I have to do this attitude that they have, the more likely they're going to get the job done and they're going to do it hopefully correctly based on your guidance. And so to cre increase that buy-in, I do give them those that you're, I show them all the jobs at the beginning and then I say, I'm going to want you to apply, apply for your top three. So they're getting some voice uh, there. And with, with going through and actually hiring students, I am okay hiring more than one student per job in an effort to try to give as many students one of their top three jobs as possible. So if three students apply for the podcaster job, that's great. Or if two people apply for the motivational speaker, okay, great. One of you does one week and then the other does the other week. So I'm trying to allow them to have one of their top threes um, as much as I can. If there's a situation where I need a certain job done, but nobody applied for it, I have emailed certain students and I've said, hey, I know you didn't apply for this job. I think you'd be really good at it. I think uh, our class really needs this job. Would you consider taking this job even though it wasn't one of your top three? And so I'm still not assigning it to that student. I'm actually giving them some agency and them making the decision. Most of the time, they say yes. I've had a few occasions they're like, no, not really. And I'm like, okay, I'll ask another student. But for them to hear from an adult saying, I see this in you and I think you could do well in it, some of them are hearing that for the first time in their young middle school lives. And so that gives a little bit more of like, oh, he, he thinks I could do a good job of this. Okay, I, I want to do a good job of this. As far as like them doing the jobs correctly, for every job, they have a checklist of responsibilities. And for me, that's housed on a, my classroom job system is actually tied to a larger classroom economy system where they get paid with like classroom money. And on the, the website that manages all their money, it also has a list of their jobs. So anytime they log in and that website's called Paygrade, paygrade.io, um, they, they have a free plan. Everything I do is on the free plan with the exception of like one or two things uh, that are not super critical. But on Paygrade, they could go in and see their job responsibilities anytime they need to refer back to it. I can make links to screencasts on like, if you forget how to take a screenshot on Khan Academy, watch the screencast that's on Paygrade or how to do this or how to do that. And so they have that checklist of, of what they need to do, which is super important. If you've ever read the checklist manifesto um, by Atul Gawande, who's like a surgeon who's like, even surgeons need checklists or they're going to forget things and, and things are going to be bad. So <laughs> if a surgeon needs a checklist to remember a few responsibilities, then your middle school ne need checklists as well. And as far as training, as much as I can, I try to correct their, their, their work immediately. I don't say like, okay, try to do better next time as much as I can. So when I train the students, like if I'm in person and I am training a student to be my board's manager who writes the agenda on the board, I say, okay, I've shared this spreadsheet with you that's going to tell you what to write every day. And on there, there's also a picture of what it's supposed to look like, how it's going to be color coded, where everything's going to be. And so the first time they do it, a lot of times like, oh, you didn't really color code it this way. Can we try it again? Or they didn't write it big enough. I make them erase it and do it again to create that expectation of like, okay, he's going to make me do it again if I don't do this correctly. And now I know a little bit more what the expectation is. So as much as you can, having students do it correctly right off the uh, right, off, right at the gate is going to be helpful in making sure they continue to do it correctly, as opposed to trying to correct it uh, as once, you know, down the road when they say do it next time. And speaking to what you had said, about like, ah, oh, this is like a lot of work on me and reminding students. That was a job uh, that I have actually outsourced as well called the teacher assistant job. 
this year it's been super critical because the teacher assistant has a big checklist. Their checklist is big because their checklist is reminding everyone when they need to do their job. And so some jobs happen at the beginning of the week, at the beginning of class, whereas some happen at the end of class. Some happen at the end of the week, at the beginning of class, and some happen at the end of class. And so I didn't want to have to remember all that stuff. So I shared that checklist with them. I'm like, okay, Here's where you're going to go to on this checklist and you're going to read off these names and say, okay, uh, bouncer, make sure you turn on the waiting room um, and, and don't allow students to come in once class starts until we get attendance taken. Attendance monitor, make sure you update the spreadsheet. Uh, athletic trainer, please set your timer for 30 minutes. You know, they're going through this checklist. And so what's really funny is like I got kicked out of my Zoom class because my internet dropped and then I joined in like three minutes later and the teacher assistant is saying like reminding people of what their jobs are and it wasn't like pandemonium because <laughs> I've kind of got it like on autopilot where the like I start class and I'm like, all right, Ashley, you want to go ahead and get us started, you know, like as soon yep. as class starts and then it's all like starting to run smoothly. So that kind of took the load off of me um, and allowed a student to really see the responsibility of that. And that that job is a lot of responsibility. And so those students had to do. Uh, in addition to their job and application, they had to do a Zoom interview with me. Um, and so how many of us <laughs> were doing Zoom interviews for the first time this past year? You know, they're getting the opportunity to learn like what goes into a Zoom interview and how do I, how do I, how do I do it? And how do I manage it? I'm like, I'm going to tell you one, one of the questions you're going to get is tell me a little bit about yourself because I kind of have fun with it on what it an actual interview would be like. And I, and I want you to have a short, like 30 to 60 second answer, you know? And so it's, it's been really fun. It's been something that even during remote learning when like in so many ways, I just feel like an inadequate teacher when it comes to like, oh man, this math lesson is super boring or the science thing is not going well and everyone seems super confused and no one needs, knows what's going on. And like, this has been something that like the kids get excited about. This has been something that kids like, I really, I really appreciate that we get to do this classroom economy and the class jobs and it's really fun and it makes me look forward to coming to class. And I think that's just like something that we need right now as educators of like, I just need something for, for myself to look forward to class, for the kids to look forward to class. And, and these classroom jobs have, have been that for me. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely going to have to kind of make some modifications and some tweaks once we go hybrid, but, uh, the, the same, I think the same spirit of it will, will be able to, to flourish and be something that's exciting for the kids, even in that context. The big you know, focus of teacher summer reboot this year is back to basics. And I picked this because, I mean, a lot of kids have been out of school, not going to wear that we're all going to be back in person in the fall or shortly after or hybrid. And I really feel like we are as teachers going to have to go back to the basics. And so one of the categories in teacher summer reboot is classroom organization and management. And it, and I think we are going to have to think about how do we engage our students and get them to take ownership over how our classrooms are run, right? We're going to get a lot of kids who are checked out because they haven't had parent supervision or they haven't, you know, been getting food. It, you know, they've been hungry yeah. a lot at home because they haven't had the resources they need from school. I mean, we're going to be facing so many social emotional barricades in some situations or obstacles as teachers. And so I think this idea of implementing classroom jobs from the get-go, and gosh, I was thinking as you were talking, Tom, that just teaching these jobs slowly day by day in the first few weeks of school, you know, even if you taught one job a day, like how exciting could that be for the kids? How engaged would they be? How much could you teach about how you run your classroom 
through teaching them about these classroom jobs. So that was really what I was thinking when you were speaking is, man, this is right in what we're going to be talking about this summer. How can you implement these classroom jobs in the fall? So tell us, uh, where can we find you? Where can we learn about this? I know you have some resources to share out. Yeah, I've actually got a free course uh, called Essential Student Jobs for the Middle School Classroom of Tomorrow, um, where I actually go through 26 different classroom jobs. I think I shared like 10 or 12 here um, and separated out between like the more creative jobs in nature and then the jobs that are kind of more supportive in helping you and other students get tasks done. Um, but I also, in that free course, I, I walk through all the jobs. I walk through the job application process and what to think through when you're hiring students as well as like, how do I train the students in their jobs? Um, and that can be found at tomgibson.com. My name is spelled with an H-T-H-O-M-G-I-B-S-O-N.com slash class jobs. And that'll take you to the free course. Um, and I also have an additional uh, course starting March 1st. It's a uh, kind of like a go through this course with a group of people together. And it's called How to Teach Kids About Money Plus. Um, and this one is, is more of implementing that money, classroom money piece, um, where students have their class jobs. And depending on the job, they get paid a different salary. And then they have to pay rent uh, with their money. And they, they may have to pay fines for any misbehavior. And then they can buy things with their class money, like buy the opportunity to watch your teacher get pied in the face or buy a chance uh, opportunity to have a virtual background in Zoom or all these different things that you can do. And then that that incorporates so many opportunities to teach kids about money and money management uh, and things like that. And so that's starting March 1st and the deadline to enroll for that is going to be February 28th or once 250 educators have signed up and enrolled in it. So that way I can make sure I can support everybody there. Uh, and so if you are interested in the How to Teach Kids About Money Plus course, uh, you can go to tomgibson.com slash plus. Tom spelled with an H, T-H-O-M-G-I-B-S-O-N dot com slash plus. Tom Gibson, it's been a yeah, pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me on. you I've ever done. <laughs> but it, I just have so much respect for you. I enjoy all the content you put out. And thanks for taking your time to be with us on the E2E podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Educators to Educators podcast. Before all of you go, I want to make sure you know where to find out what's going on here at E2E. We have a brand new digital newsletter that we have launched in 2021. And you go to the same place every week and we change the info based on all the exciting stuff that's going on here. So you want to check that out at www.educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. Once again, educators2educators.com backslash newsletter. That, of course, is the number two in the middle of that. So go there. We have YouTube videos. We have what's trending in Teachergram and on Teacher Facebook. We have just all kinds of workshops and opportunities. So you don't want to miss that out. Bookmark that. Check it out. And until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on. Teaching on.